Hey everybody, Daniel here. Welcome to the second half of our Charlie's Heroes behind the scenes look at the cast for Charlie Saves Christmas. So we, uh, we kind of split things in half last time because we were getting a little bit long-winded here. Uh, here's the second half, and this will be followed uh, another week or two by uh, Charlie's villains. But uh, looking at each of my cast members and uh, talking about favorite scenes in there. Hope that all of you are bunkering down and doing well and staying healthy uh, amidst this crazy coronavirus worldwide generation-defining mess. And hope we can bring a little bit of fun and light and sunshine to your day. I hear through our stories. Up next, part two, Charlie's Heroes. I'm sorry. Perhaps this is a bad time. I'll just file the ticket tomorrow. Next thing you know, that Adeline will be trying to get me to raise the stone army again. What a lot of rubbish. And I just want to wake up from this terrible dream. Just wake up. Charlie's missing. I I don't know where she is. Well, this must look very bad indeed. As though I were following you around, but I hope you know that this is purely the most astonishing of coincidences. Joan? Joan? You turned in Joan? Oh no. Please don't break them up. It it just wouldn't be right. Dare you! Now that, my stinky fellow, is the best thing you've said all day. Mifto, what are you doing? You'll get yourself hurt. She will unleash catastrophe on us all. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for giving me this kind of opportunity. It's very exciting to be a part of your radio play. I quite like playing Salazar. I wonder where Mift is right now. I don't actually know. Very bright. 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 I wonder if Daniel's going to give us any more lines. Very bright. Very bright. Very bright. Very bright, very bright, very bright. Very bright, very bright, very bright. Very, very bright. Very bright, very bright. Very bright, very bright. Very bright, very bright. Very bright, very bright. Very bright. What a special, special guy. So this brings us to Brad, and uh, Brad from uh, from New Zealand. Brad is simply amazing. He welcomed me into the podcasting world and community. Uh, he leads two full podcasts all, all on his own, the, uh, the Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon and Fate of Ison. He's created this ginormous world where part of the story actually takes place. Uh, with, with the animals all inspired by by his work. I even did a full story in the holiday season as well that uh, that was situated in a world that he built and created. I, I didn't build that at all. The phenomenal creativity that he has. And so I was like, you know, uh, how would I, how could I use Brad, right? Because I've got these, I've got this idea of a Wizard of Oz style trio 
that accompanies Charlie in this dream world adventure. And I lit, I gave two of the characters to Brad, so Mift and Salazar, and they're, they're, they're brothers, but they, they actually have two very different sides. One is this bold, brash Mift that jumps into things without thinking. And then the tentative, slightly neurotic Salazar, that's the complete opposite of that. And they provide a bit of comic relief, but they are the fundamental heartbeat of the, the entire story. And I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't ask for someone better than Brad to, to be the heartbeat, to be this, this seam that runs all the way through the story that's really tied and tethered together because of Mift and Salazar. And the characters that he created were just absolutely wonderful. Again, I, you know, no, well, <laughs> kind of funny that the tough part with Mift is that Mift says only a couple lines. And like very bright, right? And says them over and over again because he doesn't have this massive dialogue. And so and Brad had to like say the same lines so many different ways and, and come across uh, through his inflection of the character and how he performed the lines as to it was, was the entire acting, right? And he, he, he actually did that in, in such a phenomenal way that, that people love Mift. Uh, Mift is like the, the number one character when, and, uh, for those a bit of a spoiler alert, so you want to skip past this piece, but Mift, Mift kind of die, Mift dies, right? He sacrifices himself uh, near the end there. And my own mom got really mad at me for doing that in the story because Brad had created uh, such a phenomenal character with these short pieces of lines and uh, with the skill that he had and, and Salazar as well. It was just totally believable as this exactly what I was looking for, right? Kind of the, the scarecrow uh, neurotic type that that surrounds Charlie here that voices the sort of fears and concerns that that she has uh, even as she's also got this burgeoning uh, you know other childish side that just just reacts and just does without thinking and and so he he, he played both of those parts just absolutely wonder, uh, wonderfully and so yeah, from the first lines right I fell in love with the characters. I think you fall in love with these characters as well. And it, it just, it's, it's amazing how well Brad did with these and, uh, and creating these characters for me. So anyway, I'm going to the couple of scenes that I have that are iconic uh, is Mift trying to wake Charlie in the midst of this trance. Again, just a couple lines that, 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 that he does. And it's just, believe you know what he, you know what's happening even without me necessarily narrating what's going on. And then Salazar uh, worried about what Mift is getting himself into in the early chapters. I think they're nice demonstrations, sort of iconic scenes for these two characters. Just wake up. Just wake up. Mift chirped in her ear. But Charlie kept walking until she stood alone in the center of the stone slab. Just wake up. This time, Mift chirped the phrase urgently, then leaned toward the opening in the doorway. Just wake up. But his tiny voice was drowned out by the thunderous din of the wolf pack, who had just arrived. Now listen here. Uh, Salazar began tentatively, attempting to imagine how Adeline would handle this situation. All of us just need to take a deep breath. Jeremy took in a deep breath and held it, causing Salazar to look about and reply with some frustration in his voice. Not literally take a deep breath. It's, it's just a saying. Well, this must look very bad indeed. As though I were following you around, but I hope you know that this is purely the most astonishing of coincidences. 
Joan? Joan. You turned in Joan? By Jonathan, I believe. Is it not? Kurtzman, you put the Kurtzman at your service. Yes, but at least you have me. You have something. I don't have anyone, Jonathan. I don't even have a goldfish, but I will not. Well, they're right cheerful, they are. You should get them for Charlie, was it? If you like them, of course. Next up, Jordash Richards. So, Richards. So, Jordash is Nikki's husband. And while I knew him from his work in Top of the Round, because he's also uh, one of the one of the actors players there, I had no idea what he was able to bring to the the table and to these parts. And so he took the parts of Brian and Rupert Kersman. Uh, Rupert was uh, kind of the Santa type figure in the story. And Brian was uh, a sort of a side character that I'd, uh, I'd put together to be a foil to, to Jinx, who's one of the villains. And you'll, you'll hear more about, uh, about that character. But you have these sort of uh, foils and the, the, help, the helper to, to Joan. But Brian, you just immediately embrace, right? You know him. How he did this character is amazing. And I would say the range that Jordash has as an actor is unbelievable. I got the lines and I didn't recognize that it was the same actor doing both parts because Kersman, Rupert Kersman and, and Brian are so different. These two characters are voiced so differently. It was just, just amazing. And they're complete characters from the first line to the last. Absolutely amazing. But you embrace Brian, right? You you know him immediately as the blue-collar guy who's troubled. He's got a good heart, but he's got no real direction in his life. You root for him even though you know his character is flawed. He's got anger issues, but he can be tender. He wants to do the right thing, but he's he's just got these outbursts, you know, pieces. Um, and so it's not an easy character to play uh, because he's got this sort of range and you need to like him even though he's he, he's got these anger issues. And you do. I mean, you, you, you totally understand who this guy is the minute you hear it. That's all to uh, to the way that Jordash pictured this character in his mind. And Nikki helps with the direction on this too. So some of that, I'm sure, kudos go to Nikki. His approach on Rupert makes him one of the most unique Santa types. So the only direction I gave him was that Rupert Kersman, Kersman actually means Santa Claus or Father Christmas. I, for those of you who don't, it's uh, Dutch. And so that that's why I use that term, because he's uh, he's meant to be that kind of character. But what Jordash did was was really unique, right? I had in my mind this needs to be a Santa type character, and what he what he gave me was way better than this typical Santa type character. Uh, he expanded the whole concept of what this character could be and made him way more than what I hoped for. He is the mystical, magical benefactor of the story that that's that's there, that just appears, that's my deus ex machina kind of coming in and sweeping through and, and making good. And he's he's able to face down the toughest characters in there, and he's got this sense of, of kindness and goodness toward everybody. It, you know, so he's he's that larger-than-life kind of character, but he's not played like this, you know, deep, typical Santa-style character. 
he's he's played differently and I that I, I love it I just I fell in love with the way that uh, Jordash brought that to the table and I, I think you know, a lot of people from feedback I've had enjoyed that as well so the two iconic scenes that I have for you here is Brian confronting Jinx because the the interplay between those two characters is some of my favorite part of this whole thing I wrote extra scenes for them uh, and they had some fun back and forth behind the scenes most of you would not have would not have seen but some rivalry that was fun back there that really spurred the the, the two characters on and then Rupert Kersman uh, finding Joan in the corridor after she's lost Charlie and is uh, searching the building I thought was a, a really touching kind of scene where you see the heart that Jordash brings to the table who what child Brian jerked around suspicion filling his voice oh the little girl in 4312 very sad story really I'm just glad I could act in time. And then it came to him in a flash as he blurted out, Joan? Joan? You turned in Joan? Anger was rising again, and this time, he just didn't care. In a moment, he'd taken the smaller man by the labels, nearly lifting him off of the ground as he snarled into his face. You turned in Joan. Why, you filthy little man. With that, Brian shoved Jinx away. The smaller man nearly toppled to the ground and caught himself hard against the door. Well, this must look very bad indeed. As though I were following you around, but I hope you know that this is purely the most astonishing of coincidences. The older man replied. He lifted his hand, motioning to the space beside her. Would you mind if I sat for a moment? I'm afraid these old bones are not as youthful as they once were, and I've been walking the building quite a bit this evening. Joan moved over to give him room. My dear, I'm so sorry. I have seen a few children about, but they seem to be with their own families. Perhaps you could give me a description and I could help you look? Now that, my stinky fellow, is the best thing you've said all day. I think I see something. I think I see something. I think I see something. You're doing a terrible job. You're doing a terrible job. You're doing a terrible job. Next up, well, so it's a character that I struggled to pronounce. All right, just want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. Kakapo. Kakapo. So that'd be the first way. The second way, Kakapu. Though I don't think that is correct. Maybe a third way, Kakapo. Kakapo. I think that was the wrong way you were talking about. So, uh, fourth way, Kakapo. Kakapo. All right, let's try this again. Kakapo. Kakapo. That would be one. Then it the ka. Ka. Po. So it's not po, it's po. Kakapo. Kakapo. So that would be two. Uh, maybe the third one here. Ka-ka-po. 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 
And maybe try three now. Cockapole. 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 And I still don't think I can get it right, right? So I became infatuated at, at one point in the fall with uh, birds from New Zealand because they're, they're just fascinating. So you have actually two birds here in the story that uh, that are from New Zealand. One is a kia, a type of alpine parrot, and that is um, Crafton on the, uh, the bad guy, the villain side of things. And the other is this uh, kakapo and uh, this big flightless bird, also parrot-styled um, type bird, but he's flightless. And, and so that is... That's, that's played by, by Sean Yates from Kid Cryptid, and his name is Old Pete. So Old Pete is the third part of the trio that surrounds Charlie as she goes through these varying experiences. And he is my key comic relief. So I wrote this character specifically to be the key comic relief because you needed that in some of these scenes and you know what's going on. And he's this big, blustery old bird that's you know kind of getting a little bit senile but he's got phenomenal experience and he's just full full of himself and full of, of sort of life and vigor and uh and this approach that he has to it that's kind of just dumped that in the lap of sean yates who runs uh, his podcast kid cryptid with his uh, with his son and wow is sean talented <laughs> the voicing he came up with if i could have described here's what i old, want old pete to sound like this is what i wanted have wanted him to sound like and he just brings him to life in such a fun way it really really makes the story and uh, so i love with what sean did in his amazing performance you literally envision from the very first line this big old bird dancing and prancing about and full of himself and, and that's exactly what these scenes needed and what he brought to the table so i'm going to give you the opening sort of bluster scene for old pete and uh, that's his, his iconic piece but uh, thanks to sean yates for bringing old pete to life didn't I eat a fellow just like you not too many cycles ago? A large green bird tilted its owl-like face to the side, eyeing Miffed. Terrible news, you say? How delightful! rumbled the large bird, who settled down on a smooth stone, turning its head lazily toward Salazar. I haven't heard news in such a long time. Good, bad, terrible, or otherwise. His eyes seemed to smile at the diminutive finch. More outworlders have arrived, Salazar began, but the great Kakapo interrupted him immediately. Ah, outworlders, inworlders, woodlings, wildlings. Next thing you know, that Adeline will be trying to get me to raise the stone army again. What a lot of rubbish. If that's all you have, perhaps I will eat this friend of yours. Charlie, it's Goldie here. Charlie, come dear, this little game isn't funny. For goodness sake, where did you go, girl? Come on, dear. Charlie? Charlie! This is a good family. They've already been through so much. Please don't break them up. It, it just wouldn't be right. Okay, last but not least uh, at all is the... the the, the archetype of the, the next door neighbor. And this is Miss Oldmeyer. Initially, this was a very small part. And, and it still wound up being a, a pretty small part, although I added additional lines as, uh, as Bob and Eat, 
from the Drive With Us podcast. I think this is the first time that she did voice acting, which is sort of amazing to me because she did such a wonderful job in this. But So here's another glue piece. This is a, a glue character that brings, that's uh, the seam, right, that runs through the real world experiences. Kind of like Salazar runs on the on the, the dream world side, you have Miss Oldmeyer that's that's on the, on, on the other side of the real world side of things. She's the caring next door neighbor that's helping Joan manage this crazy life. She was written almost as a kind thank you to all the old Myers, the Miss Old Myers in all of our lives. I think we know this character. And when, when Bob and Eat, um, voiced this character, we, we know who this is, right? We've had this, this person has been our neighbor. This has been the person in our neighborhoods who's, who's given and provided without asking anything in return. And it, anyway, so she just did a wonderful job of, of having the, the roundedness. The I didn't want like over overplaying emotion on this because that's not what the, the Miss Oldmeyers in our lives don't overplay all of that sort of stuff. They've got this even keel, this ton of experience, this, these kind, generous hearts. And, and so I wanted that a little bit, you know, uh, nosy maybe, maybe a little bit of that that's in there. Uh, and so anyway, that character was just captured so wonderfully that the tenderness, the, the nuance uh, that I was looking for, just done so well by Bob and Eat, that she was a scene stealer to me in, in each of these scenes where she did appear. So small uh, amounts of dialogue, but just wonderful. So uh, this scene is the iconic scene I have here is her washing the dishes and kind of straightening things up and, and kind of talking a little extra loud for the sleeping, the benefit of the sleeping Charlie that she thinks is in the other room. You, so anyway, I think you you all understand who this character is. It's a big thank you to those uh, Miss Old Myers that are out there. Uh, and thank you to uh, Bob and Eve for such a, a wonderful job in creating this, capturing uh, the iconic piece of what I wanted this, this character archetype to be. I uh, did a wonderful job. And here she is. Well now, here's a sport I can get interested in. Miss Oldmeyer mused. Why, if they'd have let us play the way you can today, I would have been quite good. Did you know that we could only play on either the offense or defensive side of the court? Miss Oldmeyer prattled on in reminiscence of her own youth. We played sixes back then. Three forwards and three guards, each in our own half of the court. Forwards could shoot, no one could dribble more than twice before passing. As you can imagine, the scores were low. Very low. This time, Miss Oldmeyer cocked an eye to the door of Charlie's room. Okay, that, that wraps up Charlie's Heroes. Please, I would love for you to reach out to each of these actors. You can find them on Twitter. You can find them through their own podcasts uh, and channels. You mentioned what those are, I'll put those in the show notes. You can link to them. If you can do a favor for me is give them a huge round of applause. Give them some thanks, uh, some virtual hugs, some likes, some follows on their on their social media channels. Listen to their shows. You'll see the experience, the range of what they've done as a, as a thank you from me, as a thank you for from you. They absolutely deserve every bit of anything that you can possibly offer to them. That they just they brought this story to life. And, and they put everything into it. And they're just, they're just wonderful. So stay, stay tuned, too. Uh, as we return in a few weeks, we're going to have Charlie's villains. And so those, those actors that, uh, that played the villains for me, I think those were really fun. Uh, I know they had a good time playing the villains. And, and just, again, so even some more, well, some more 
phenomenal acting on the on the villain side of things. I get to talk about those. So we'll give you a little behind the scenes with some of those actors and what was going on with the characters we created there. But one last note is I've just launched a Kickstarter campaign as I'm trying to, um, well, be nuts, I guess, take this story and turn it into a novel that will be one in a series uh, as we go forward here. And so I've got a lot of uh, that done. I've changed the title from Charlie Saves Christmas to Charlie and the Celestial Star and have broadened some of the, well, taken the, the script because the, the script, I can add a lot of sound and audio to it to, to describe the environment. So you have to kind of write that when you're doing the writing side of it. Uh, but what I need is some professional proofreading help for the manuscript as well as I'd love some illustrations of the characters and uh, and some more of the scenes. And so that all is costs some money. And so if you can help me with that investment, the neat thing about Kickstarter is it's an all or nothing funding. So I either get the money I'm looking for and I've outlined where I'm going to put that and how I'm going to invest that. So that doesn't come back to me. That really goes straight into being able to, to publish this, uh, do this uh, self-publishing uh, piece of things. And so um, it's either it's an all or nothing. You don't you won't spend anything if, if it's not funded. And if it is fully funded, then you'll definitely uh, get the reap the rewards of that. Um, I think most of the, the levels that you can come in on have either the digital book or, or the actual physical copy and it costs about that much anyway. So you aren't losing anything, but uh, you could really help help me launch a first uh, novel. It's um, a new thing, something I've wanted to do for a, a very long time and waited probably too long to, to get something like this started. Anyway, so love anything that you could uh, any way you could help out, put the link to to that Kickstarter on here. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy uh, that published book that comes from that. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being fans of the uh, Charlie Saves Christmas audio story uh, that I've been able to create. Thanks to my actors. Come back in a few weeks when we, we launch the Charlie's Villains portion of this. And that will then lead us uh, toward the next big audio story we have, which is Cassie and the Spectral Shade. Take care. Now, Charlie, you and I have a deal. I'll be back for Christmas, which isn't that long from now. And you are going to make new friends and help Aunt Nani. You can't just leave me! Truly, I won't be gone long, and Aunt Nani needs your help. You don't need to keep saying it! Charlie, I know this makes you sad, and I know you're sad because you love me. Promise me you'll be helpful. Okay. I love you. The Happy Go Lucky Podcast, producers of Charlie Saves Christmas, bring you our next heartwarming adventure. Cassie and the Spectral Shade opens April 6th, 2020. I just don't get it, Cubone. We've been searching through this cave for hours now, and we still haven't found anything. Cubone? Cubone, Cubone! What's that, Cubone? You found something? What is it? Cubone, 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 Cubone! It's a podcast? That's right, we have a brand new podcast out there just for you. Cubones and Catacombs is a 5e D&D TTRPG podcast set in the Pokemon region of Kanto. It's filled with a rich story, lots of laughs, original musical compositions, and best of all, it's fun for all ages. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's like no swearing and no inappropriate content, things like that. Ah, yes, of course. Come join in the fun. Cubones and Catacombs, check it out now wherever podcasts are found. So like inside caves?
Well, no, like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, things like that. Stitcher? Isn't that someone who fixes clothes? Because let me tell you, I could use a Stitcher right now. This cloak of mine has seen better days, and a couple patches wouldn't hurt. Although, maybe it's beyond repair, and I should just get a new one. Cubone, do you like brown belt? Have you ever watched a movie and you sat there and you thought, Hey man, this person was the MVP of that movie. Or, conversely, this person was the MVL of that movie. Well, this is what our podcast focuses on, and you should definitely join us, because I'm Talix. And I'm Trev. And this is Hero Talk. With Talix and Trev. And what we do is we go through the movies, and we talk about settings, scenes, funny things, trivia, and more. Hey, we'll even throw a joke in there too. So join us every week to week as we go through the various movie universes. And who knows, maybe you can learn something. Hi, we are Captain Ryan Stories, a kids' story podcast meant for bedtime, long car rides, or just to capture kids' attention. Come set sail with Captain Ryan, Brady, and Nora as they adventure to new places and learn life lessons along the way. We promise you'll love it. You can find us on all major podcast listening services, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram.